All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome again to the Girl Meets Church podcast with Adventist Voices through Spectrum Magazine. Girl Meets Church is a monthly podcast hosted by myself, Dr. Tiffany Llewellyn, and we just like to have conversations about religion, social justice, culture, and the intersectionality of all these different areas of society and of our lives. I am super excited about the episode that we are going to be having today, the conversation that we'll have with the Dr. Sydney Freeman. Doc, welcome to the podcast. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. Thank you for inviting me. Of course, of course. I say this every episode that the listeners are in for a treat, but it truly is because I just love the guests that we have from month to month. Um, So I think tonight will be a really great conversation for myself and for everyone that listens to Girl Meets Church. Why don't we start off with introducing you to the audience? Tell a little bit about who you are and um, what you do and where you're located. Yes. So my name is Dr. Sydney Freeman, Jr. I'm the son of Sydney and Cassandra Freeman and the husband of Dr. Linda Murphy Freeman. Uh, I'm <laughs> I'm the I'm the son of Camden. I'm a son of Camden, New Jersey. I'm at Olivet Seventh Day Adventist Church. I attended Pine Forge Academy, Oakwood College. So I've actually gone through Christian education pre pre K through uh, college, and so I am a church boy uh, at heart. And I love the Adventist Church, but I love it enough to critique it. And I'm looking forward to uh, our conversation to kind of get into that area. Yeah. Wow. That is that's awesome. Because I was always curious as to whether or not you were um, born and bred at Venice. You know, they say um, at Venice bred at Venice dead, like just been at Venice your entire life. So this is really interesting to know pre-K through college. Yeah, you don't get two more Adventists than I am. I'm, I'm actually three. I'm actually three generations in. I know there's some some people that are five, five, and all that kind of stuff. But I'm at least three. Wow, wow, wow! That that even excites me more for our conversation um, because I know you certainly love the church, and like you mentioned, you love it enough to critique it. And I think that you have offered. Um, really deep and powerful thought around how we analyze and understand our church. And sometimes I do wonder if that comes from people like myself who do not have deep roots in Adventism. So it's going to be really nice to talk to someone who's been this their entire lives and, and three generations in and can still objectively look at our denomination. So I'm really, really excited for that. Welcome again to the podcast tonight. There are so many things that I want to talk with you about. Um, Some of it we touched on before in terms of your passion around Adventism, around Adventist theology, Adventist education, um, and just overall this identity that we hold as Adventists. So we have a lot to get into. Um, And I think maybe a good place for us to start, unless you have a particular place to us to start, would be at 
where I think is the root of a lot of it, um, which is our theology. How do you understand Adventist theology um, in a way that has led you to offer a different perspective? So I would say that my theological thought has been informed by my practical lived experience. So about five years ago, I moved to Moscow, Idaho. So I mentioned that I'm from New Jersey. I'm from Camden, New Jersey. So that is very different from Moscow, Idaho, where there's only 22,000 people in the town. And if you take the students, if you take the students out uh, during the summer, you probably only only have uh, 11,000. 11, so really small town. Uh, it takes an hour and a half to get to the next uh, next city, which is Spokane, so which is not even a major, major city. So uh, that experience has informed my, my theology in that uh, most of my time has spent, has been spent in regional, conferences. And what I mean by that is regional conferences are the code word for black conferences. So although I attended Adventist schools from pre-K through college, uh, I've had some experiences at, at white schools or predominantly white schools, but the large majority of my time was spent attending black schools and black churches. When I came to Idaho, uh, I started attending a white church, and it really started to, um, just my experiences at that church, I could see there were some differences between the way that their uh, liturgy and even their perspective on theology was, was a little different than we would find in the, in the Black Adventist church, because our our experience our experiences within the church is shaped by our culture and and other things and so that's really pushed me to think about um what do i really believe if i don't um attend that church on a on a regular basis so my father-in-law has asked me the the profound theological question what kind of Adventist are you? And when he asked me that question, it pushed me to think about, yeah, there's different types of Adventists. There's Adventists that wear jewelry. There's Adventists that wear, eat meat. There's Adventists that, uh, that uh, dress um, conservatively. So what kind of Adventist am I? Because I was confronted with that I was not, my needs for spiritual nourishment was not happening in Idaho. And so it really challenged me to go to church every week and not not be growing. And so that really pushed me theologically to think about what do I really believe? Uh, and given I'm not around my family and other loved ones, it really pushed me to think about issues along that line. Nice, nice. Wow. So 
you have seen a shift in your own personal theology or understanding of yourself as Adventist since five years ago moving to Idaho? Yes, and it and it's been really interesting. So I came from a school where a school of thought where you got to go to church every week and you got to be and you got to be dressed in a suit and suit and tie and uh, and church goes from 11 o'clock to one thirty two o'clock and everything all my whole life centered around our church. So from Pathfinders. So think about it. If I'm pre-K through, uh, through college, I'm, you know, I've been, uh, I've been, um, you know, you have pathfinders, but then you have what you have with the busy bees and all these other, (laughs) other things I've been, I've, I've experienced it all. And so there was that, there was this tension where I'm not attending Adventist events. I'm not, all my friends are Adventists. Now, even though I've all, even though I've always had friends outside of the church, what happens when your life is not centered around Adventism? And that that was different when I was in Huntsville, Alabama, at Oakwood, or I was in Montgomery, Alabama, or I was in New Jersey. That was a whole different thing where I was confronted with my own identity. And trying to figure out what did I believe, not what my grandmother told me, not what my dad told me, not what my brother told me, but what did I believe for myself? And so that caused me to do do my own personal research. Awesome. Awesome. And, you know, I, I always enjoy your perspectives and the different thought that you bring to any topic, but um, specifically the topic around religion and um, Adventism in general. So would you say that you have always been a different kind of thinker? Because sometimes for those who don't necessarily go along with the status quo or um, many times in different denominations, groupthink is the norm, um, you get sort of labeled as different or troublesome or whatever it might be. Um, would you say that even beyond religion, you have always allowed yourself to be stretched a little critically to think about these norms like religion or other beliefs um, in new and different ways? No. So I would I would be one of those uh, judgmental Adventists that you probably encountered when uh, you joined the church, right? So I was so so uh, I've often said if you had put if so let's say if I was in elementary school if you put a doll in front of me a black doll in front of me, uh, well two of them and one and one had earrings on the doll and the other one didn't. And you said, who's going to heaven? I would say the one who didn't have jewelry on. Wow. I'm just, so that's how I, no, did someone tell me that? No, but that was a part of the culture of, uh, that I was brought up. I I remember I told my, my, I remember I cried 
when my I know this probably seems uh, silly, but I cried when my when I saw my mother drink coffee. God thought she wasn't going to go to heaven because she's drinking caffeine, right? So I'm I so I I'm coming from that kind of environment. It's a yes or no. You I mean we're very clear about what what we should and should not do, uh, and so the nuance was not there. Uh, I think. Uh, one of the best things that my dad did for me was uh, he helped to expose me to people who were successful outside of our church. Uh, so, for instance, um, coming from Camden, New Jersey, uh, uh, we had a little family singing ministry. And so one time we were uh, asked to, to sing at a, a, citywide, a citywide rally. And we opened for Ty Tribbett. This was when Ty Tribbett was like, so I would I I would have probably been like middle school. So he probably would have been as like, like late teens, early twenty, you know, early twenties. And so I had never seen any gospel person jump off a stage and all that kind of stuff. And after that, they introduced me to him. This is this is I don't know if you remember. Uh, during the time of the Prince of Egypt album had come out and he would so he was he was just he was he was hot because him and that was before that was before uh Mary Mary because Mary Mary did their song with him so it was it was so what happened with that was I was introduced to him and so then he would have a rehearsal at eight o'clock I remember this like like yesterday that he would have a rehearsal at eight o'clock every Tuesday at his at his dad's church there in Camden. And religiously, I was there for at least two, three years. I would go every Tuesday. Now, I was told, now now Ty told me, so I could have been a part of greater anointing, right? But he told me I didn't have the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> so this is before he went big, right? This is, this is, this. so, so, um, but but that was the first time I was challenged to see the, to see that other Christians did things differently, right? And um, I was, but I saw him do excellence. He was the first person I said he's going to be famous. You know how like there's some of your friends that you said they're going to be successful. He was that. He was like, man, he does. So any dance moves you see him do, he practiced that. That wasn't like <laughs> he didn't just come up with it. I, I mean. He would stop. He would stop. The, he would stop the practice. And if one of his uh, choir members wasn't doing their moves correctly, he would stop it and start over again. So uh, I also I um so I saw that, and I also Tasha Smith, uh, I the actress um, that does a lot of work with Tyler Perry. Oh yeah, uh, she's the comedian. So she's from Camden. She's actually uh, the main family in our church is called. Uh, their names are the Archies. She is a Archie, right? She's 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 from that family, and so um, uh, I so when I so I, so when I was at Pine Forge, I flew to California. When I went to California, she was still uh, a, a struggling artist, but she picked me up, and I spent time with her, and she poured into me. So so when you think about why I have a proclivity to do things with excellence right? It's because I was exposed to those things 
And even though Tasha was not a seven was not a seven day Adventist, I was she was still connect she was still connected through family ties. And so those things those that exposure kind of helped me um, to kind of see excellence in other in other ways. And so when I did have opportunities um, after leaving undergrad, so I think the biggest challenge was my transition from Oakwood then to uh, Auburn University, where I got my master's, uh, because I didn't have I did, uh, one other thing that's that's uh, important. There was one young lady that I went to school with that I went, we we were in classes together from first grade up to, up through, up through Oakwood. So there was always somebody I knew that I went to, I went to, went to school with that was both Advent, that was also Adventist. But when I went to grad school, that changed. And so, um, my values weren't necessarily other people's values. And I had to kind of reconcile that. So I gave you a long answer for a simple question. No, but this is, this is really all helpful because I'm pretty sure we have a lot of listeners who probably have been born and raised at Venice. And so a particular thought and and just way of being that comes with that um, and can probably hear of different ways to be exposed um, and just sort of understand your own journey with, with how your shift around how you think about these things happened, which really brings me to um, something that I know you are really passionate about, which defies the odds and really is outside of the norm, um, around this idea of a Black Adventist theology. Tell us a little bit about your thoughts on that um, and how that came into being a concept that you think can really be implemented. Uh, so uh, there's there's two parts to this. So there's one and that I I read a article, well, I read a chapter in the book written by the book the book that was actually edited by Dr. Calvin Rock called Perspectives. Within that within that book, uh, there was a chapter about Black Adventist contributions to Adventist theology, and that was written by. Bertram Melbourne, who is from um, Howard University, and he talked about he talked about how how African Americans had contributed to theology, but not through the written word, right? So they contributed through preaching and and other means, but not necessarily through books and other and other ways. However. He mentioned someone by the name of Owen, Dr. Owen Troy. And uh, there's one little line that says, Owen Troy was the first person of any color to earn a doctorate of theology. And so that really pricked my interest because I'm saying, you mean we have black people that were, were thinking so forward uh, at that time, that they would get, and this was, and this was in the fifties, uh, that to earn a to earn a doctorate of theology, when m- almost all of the other uh, 
theologians were actually getting doctorates in communications because they were they were scared or nervous to get doc, doctorates in uh, in theology because it was said that um, you know that Sunday church theology would not align with uh, with with what we believed. So that was that was in, was really uh, an impetus for me to to think about it, and and also um, I was just seeing I was just seeing that uh, while I was in Idaho that the way in which we interpreted scripture was totally different. And so, and I, I don't believe in some, I'm going to say something controversial. I, and, and at sometimes I don't know if we, if we're serving our, we're praying to the same God because we're getting, because after, because after, <laughs> after, um, you see a lot of the, these, these killings of black men and all, and all these kind of negative things that are impacting the black community. Our white brother, our white brother and sister, in um, are not having the type of empathy that that I believe that the Bible calls for, and so uh, I was so those those types of things have kind of influenced and pushed me to think about it. Uh, one of the people that has really pushed my thinking in that regard is uh, Dr. Mari Jackson. He's a theologian at. La Sierra University, uh, and he's really he's really been a leader in that regard. I, I told him that every time I talk now, I'm going to give him a shout out, <laughs> that, uh, that he's one that has pushed me in that regard. And so he's the one who's, if you if you look at any of my work, I've, I'm starting to look at Black Adventist theology, not from, not starting from the Millerite movement or the investigative judgment when Adventism started in 1863, not even when we talked about, talk about like Sabbath roots in Africa, because that's 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 important, uh, and, or the Lucy Bayard incident where it the incident where um, a, a, a mulatto woman that was affiliated with the uh, black church uh, in the Washington D.C. area was denied access to a hospital when she an Adventist hospital when she needed and they denied her and then they had to rush her across the city to Howard a Howard University hospital where she didn't reach there in time and she passed uh and she passed away and so though you have but I'm not starting the theology at any of those places uh, what he's pushing me to think about is starting it from from even let's think the late 17, mid to late 1700s with people like um, Richard Allen, who was the founder of the African Methodist Episcopal uh, Church, uh, the AME Church, as, as is affectionately called, uh, where, where he was writing hymns about the, seventh, the, about the second coming before, before uh, you know, William Miller and and any of us were even any of the white Adventists were where they weren't even white Adventists, right? So they weren't even talking about the second coming in that way, that enlightenment period. So I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm talking about mid to late 1700s 
we didn't start talking about we meaning uh, the movement that led to the Seventh Day Adventist Church didn't start pursuing that until uh, you know almost the mid uh, mid eighteen hundreds. So it's pushing me in that regard to think about what what does it look to resituate the the founding of when we're talking about uh, a the uh, a Adventist theology that centers centers the needs and the lived experiences of the uh, enslaved African, the descendants and the enslaved Africans um, here in America. Mm. Man, this is such good stuff because we have seen such an exodus from Adventism. And I think Christianity in general, really, um, of a lot of Black people who don't see themselves within the the entire Christian theology that a lot of different denominations hold. Um, and so there are people probably listening to this of various races. Some may say, man, this is so needed. This is exactly the direction I would love to see the church go in. And others who may think, ah, oh, no, you know, God doesn't, you know, include this sort of uh, differentiation or separation or, or however they may understand this. But I think this is incredibly powerful because there are many times where we hear sermons or we've been in studies, Bible studies, different arenas um, where teaching and, and theologian, the, theological teachings are happening and that piece is missing. And, and, you know, it's sort of like, where am I in the story? Um, and so I'm wondering whose responsibility would it be to introduce an, a black theology within Adventism? Are we calling on black pastors to do it? Are we calling on regional conferences to do it? Where does this sort of shift and change come from? Well, I think that, uh, the black laity is going to need to push the black clergy and black theologians to investigate this. And so there's another push that I've been doing uh, to say that we need more black theologian trained, academically trained theologians. So there's, there's a, uh, generally a difference uh, between uh, those who may pursue a, a more practitioner-oriented doctorate, which would be the D-Men, the Doctorate of Ministry, uh, versus a, a PhD or a uh, Doctorate of Theology. Now, whenever you, whenever you, whenever you talk about these things, they're never a, a absolute, right? So you're always treading on dangerous ground. So in my field of education, there are some people who have EDDs who do more rigorous research than those who have PhDs, right? So these are not absolutes, uh, but in theory, uh, those who have PhDs and THDs, doctorates of theology, are trained are trained to conduct research, rigorous research, uh, original research in the area of different re religious and theological ideas, uh, and so. And so I'm 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 pressing people, to, uh, particularly our our pastors that that could go could go and pursue a uh, doctorate of theology or PhD. I'm encouraging them to do that, and then I'm encouraging those who already have uh, 
uh, credentials in that area to do so, uh, particularly those who have uh, particular skills in um, constructive theology or systematic, the uh, systematic theology, those individuals are able to construct uh, legitimately construct a, a theology, uh, and and it crosses both over both the Old Testament and New Testament. Mm. You know, it made me think about when um, Pastor Ted Wilson said on Twitter um, to paraphrase that you know there seems to be an overemphasis on social justice issues. Um, and I'm wondering if there are individuals in our church who may view the necessity of a Black Adventist theology as an overemphasis on race issues. How do you think it would be received outside of uh, the Black community? Well, first of all, to the Black community, we do Black theology already, right? So we do Black theology every Sabbath. <laughs> so true. <laughs> uh, so that's that's not uh, so for those who uh, would critique it in that way. Um, uh, I would say I say it's already being done. And secondly, to those who uh, who may disagree with with not having a or disagree with having a black a black uh, Adventist theology. I, I would say that it, it's not for them, right? So, so for instance, you and I, even though we, we um, it, so when I think about philosophy, when I think about theology, when I think, when I think about uh, theory, all of those kinds of broader ideas, right? We all approach those, those, those kinds of ideas from our lived experiences, right? And so we actually, each of us can have our own theology, right? So that's not, so we are actually have our own personal theology. This is just a more collective theology that takes into a, account the lived experiences and uh, the, the challenges and triumphs and, um, and, and, what we hope to be the second coming of Jesus Christ is uh, all connect, all connecting that together uh, collectively. So I don't, I, I, I'm not, so I'm at a stage, you know, when you, when, when you first become a professor, right. You're initially, you're trying to prove to people that you belong, right. Uh, after, after you've been doing, after you get tenure and you've been doing this thing, uh, doing this thing for some time, you know who your audience is, and you and you write to your audience. You write to the the audience that needs your help. And I think, I think right now, I said we want to be um, helpful to all. And I think, I think that I think this theology can be a theology if cre if developed in in a in a systematic way uh, could be helpful to other other people groups, but. But specifically, this is this is uh, would be tailored to, to to Black Adventists, and so I do want to make a a, a distinction, is that uh, so when I was talking about Black Adventist theology, I am talking about 
uh, a theology based on on those who have a lineage a lineage here in the United States, right? Uh, enslaved. So then there's there is another there is a there are other theologies like a a, a Caribbean a Caribbean theology liberation theology. There is a South African liberation theology. There is a uh, there is a um, Pan African. So that's so after after we get a a black theology, which would be black Adventist theology, that would would take into account the experiences that happened in the United States. I think there is a, a broader need for a a Pan African theology where we're where we're thinking of uh, we're thinking about it from a diasporic uh, perspective. So, so I make these, I'm making these, these, these uh, interesting distinctions. That definition is really helpful because now what you're saying is we need multiple theologies that speak to the lived experience of different groups within the diaspora. Is that what you're saying? I am. Uh, I'm saying that, and I'm saying that, because I'm African American, right? I have a particular I have a particular viewpoint, right? My, uh, given my lived experience, but there are those who are first or, ge- or second generation uh, immigrants to this country that may have a different perspective, uh, given their lived experience and what values and ideas have been passed down, and so I think. Uh, they those all those ideas also inform, you know, would inform uh, a black theology. But I think, I think, uh, generally speaking, I'm trying to tailor this idea is tailored to those who are descendants of of African slaves here in America. Mm, okay, okay. This this I'm intrigued by this thought. Um, as someone who's a Caribbean immigrant. Um, and I, I guess I'm curious, is there a place where all these theologies meet? And where would that place be, if any? Yeah, so I think I think all these are right now, these are ideas, right? So where I'm uh I have a, a I have a uh a, a doctor in philosophy. So my so I'm I'm in the idea stages. So <laughs> oh, we're <God>. still <laughs> right. These are ideas. So I think they I do meet I think I think remember the cross. Or the cross unites uh, any any theology, any uh, Adventist or Christian theology. Much must end at the it must must end begin. However you want to say it, at the cross, right? Um, so so uh, what we're doing is saying that theology is informed. We're acknowledging that theology is informed by culture, essentially, right? And so your theology is uh informed by culture and your ex- and your experience and so i also uh, have been have been looking at and studying uh, a theology called experiential theology which is a theology is that essentially is what it sounds like it's based on your experience so so sometimes we our interpretation is is based on is based on the literal interpretation that we've learned through sabbath school or uh, other uh, or other means however when we get in the real world right 
we say, well, that doesn't align up with what my experience does, what my experience says, and then my relationship with God, right? And so you have, so you have to have to live in that, live in that tension. Uh, one of the things, reasons why, again, I was saying uh, we need more the, trained theologians. We need people that can go back to the 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 Greek and Hebrew and provide context for for uh, uh, some of the the some of the assumptions that we make based on what we've been taught, what we've taught been taught over time. So I think that's going to be extremely important uh, moving forward. Hmm. I, I think we certainly have to do a part two um, specifically about what these different theologies can mean and represent because um, I have a number of questions. <laughs> uh, I'm, very, I'm very, very curious about um, the need for it. I think it's really, impo- it's an important idea. I think it's a meaningful idea. Um I, I wonder for people within the Black community who may view it as further separating um, as opposed to a means of just sort of understanding themselves, their experiences um, with God. So how would you speak to, because we know there's already some tension between like African-Americans and Caribbeans and, and West Africans or, or just those of us there that really? represent these different... <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally made this up. <laughs> and I've talked about that here before on the yeah, podcast yeah. Um, on another episode. So do you do you see this um, being another layer of tension in in that in the entire conversation around black unity? I see it could be, right? It depends on how how you approach it. So I I don't I don't I don't see it that way, but I think that there can be others that would interpret it that way. So I I, I would concede uh, that uh, depending on how you uh, you approach it, um, you have to be. I think you would be very thoughtful in the way that you present it. Right? Uh, that that it is that it is inclusive. Uh, however, however, it is specific. It has a specific uh, application to a particular uh, uh, group of of Seventh Day Adventists, uh, given their lived experiences and and needs and things of that nature. And so, all these things will, and all these things will, uh, you know, all these thoughts will e- evolve. It will, it will probably evolve over time. When I'm having conversations with 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 some doctoral students at at. Uh, at Andrews and at La Sierra, at La Sierra and Oakwood, and so um, it's going to be interesting to see how these ideas uh, germinate and 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 grow over time. Yeah, yeah. I actually have an idea for a future episode where I want to pull um, some other people into a conversation around that. So listeners, look out for that one. We'll bring Dr. Freeman back with some others to break that down. Before we wrap up our conversation, I want us to touch also on your passion around developing a Black Adventist identity. Um, I'm sure it ties into this theology. Is it different, and if so, how? Yeah, I think they I think they're parallel in that I've really been thinking about 
uh, going back to that question, what does it mean? What kind of Adventist are you? And then you can ask what, you know, even the deep, more deeper question, what kind of Christian are you? And what does, what does that mean? Are you, um, in your daily lived experience? And so I think you're, I think a theology will help you make sense of that, right? Because, um, the theology is also takes into account history, right? And so uh, one of the things I, I, I would really encourage uh, your listeners to do is really to, to do some research on their own about their own Adventist identity. So for me, I had to, my, I had to go back and, and think about, you know, how did my grandmothers join the church? Uh, so maybe about five months ago, my grandmother, uh, who is, her name is Mary Lewis, was featured in, I think it was Adventist World. She was on the front of Adventist World for her community service. And I, I think about the way that I think about service to the church. Um, so for instance, she's been doing community service probably over 30 years, has been honored in different ways, but she has had uh, over 40 people live in her uh, in her home over of her life meaning meaning outside of outside of her media family and things like that so when i grew up right uh in my home i can count at least 14 people who lived in my home at at different given time so that shapes my understanding about about giving and being sacrificial and things like that. And so when you bump into an, another Adventist who they're, they're, they're not going to have. So I, I asked a question when I was at Oakwood. I said, if I asked a, a group of, of friends, I said, now, if we were. Let's uh, say I let's say if someone came to your church, you you kind of knew that person. be. uh you knew their face and stuff because you knew they went to Oakwood, but uh, you didn't really talk to them at Oakwood. Uh, would you go up to them and say, you know, do you want a, a Sabbath? You know, do you have any place to go for Sabbath dinner or something like that? They said, they said, oh, no, I'm not. I'm not doing I'm not doing that. And I was blown away. Right. I'm like, we're a family. Like, because uh, I'm saying. I'm not in a fraternity or or anything like that. Advent Adventism is my fraternity. Right, right. <laughs> right, right. So I'm like, what is, what is, I'm saying, what what are you doing? But that's what when I'm saying your own identity, but that goes back to that also how were you brought in? How were your parents brought in? So you may be more conservative maybe more conservative if you were brought in and under a conservative uh, under a, a conservative pastor, right? And that kind of shifts your, that uh, not shifts, but uh, shapes, uh, shapes your, your thoughts around this, uh, around um, how, how you practice your Adventism. So, so yeah, so I think all those things are, are aligned. I think a theology would help, help to, to provide the historical and theological grounding to help you help people make sense of their their experiences. Mm. 
as I usual, Doc. Yes, <laughs> as usual, you're leaving us with a lot to uh, think about. Um, I'm thinking about my own journey along uh, the Adventist lines, which has been a really interesting one. Um, but how that journey has been shaped and has shifted and changed as I've sort of moved around into different spaces and see how Adventist takes on, Adventism takes on different identities for uh, different people. So it will be interesting to see these ideas evolve and what they can um, become individually, but also what they can become for us as a collective, um, a collective in a church who often feels forgotten or silenced or cast aside. And so I am hoping that your philosophical ideas turn into concepts and, and realities that can be, you know, just applied to how we do church because looking at where we are right now um, in society, I think really does mirror where we are also as a church. Uh, and so it truly is a challenge for us to embrace some new ways of, of thinking of ourselves and thinking of our uh, Christian identity, and uh, especially within Adventism. And, and to just and just add just a little bit more, I think of I think about the work of of, of individuals like uh, Elder Kwame Vanderhorst, Ronnie Vanderhorst, and um, so so he knew me when I was a little boy. He would so he would come and give workshops at, at my church when I was like in elementary school and stuff. So uh, so he's one of the thought leaders who has. Uh, over time has shaped my has shaped my thinking with regards to with with, with regards to the church. I'm also I, I know in a previous podcast you had Pastor Kalazar uh, to 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 speak, but from a practical uh, from a practical perspective, I am really indebted to him and the work that he's doing because it really it shows uh, uh, the development of a a, whether it's the Pan African theology or it, or if it's the if it's the black uh, black Adventist theology, uh, he's actually uh, on the ground uh, getting it done. And so I think any theology that we come up with, right, it needs to be uh, it needs to be yes uh, theoretical, but it also must be practical. And I, I'm glad that we have guys on the on the ground that are modeling that and. Uh, I, and, and their work can surely influence influence uh, the development of the idea. Yeah, I can't wait for us to have uh, Minister Vanderhorst, who I call Godfather, on the podcast. <laughs> um, that's definitely someone that I would want to bring into the conversation because he has just been around for so long doing this work, from what I understand, and still yeah. inspiring and pushing us all to think deeper and, and, and to really see a place for us within this larger picture. Um, Dr. Kalasar shouted you out the last time he was here. So we're shouting out Dr. Kalasar. And it just shows that we all have a piece of this to help bring it all together, right? Everyone has their role um, and their aspect that they're going to plug in so that this can truly become something tangible and real because I think that's what the church is looking for right now. Any last thoughts for our listeners, Dr. Freeman? Uh, good question. So 
I, I am just so happy to to have had the opportunity to to do this. Um, when I was at Oakwood, I started something called the Progressive Black Caucus, and our mission was to make people aware of issues that were impacting the Black Adventist community. And uh, we had a whole state of the state of the Black Adventist Church. This was this was when I was a junior or senior at Oakwood. We had a room in the library uh, dedicated uh, dedicated to that cause, where it was uh, I, I'll say it's tricked out with pictures of successful Black Adventists. Uh, and, and so uh, I, I I say that to say when I heard of the Adventist for Social Justice movement, it was like, wow, uh, it was it was timely. It was so I was doing that. I was doing that in at Oakwood, but after after I left, it kind of you know kind of waned. But to see someone uh, see someone to 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 be doing similar work and taking it to a to a whole nother level, uh, I remember getting in trouble. For I wanted uh, when I had this state of Black Adventist Church and, and I had this thing that Progressive Black Caucus, I asked for the the uh, North American Division and the General Conference Office to give an endorsement on it, and they called they called the president and said, "What is this? You know, what are you doing? What are you? What are <laughs> yeah." So 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 I get so I say that to say I get I get your get your struggle. I understand it. And I'm I'm glad uh, I'm glad and proud of the work you're doing. If I can be of any assistance, as I've said before, please let me know. But I'm just I'm glad that the work is going forward. And anything I can do to be supportive of your your work, I'll I'll do as much as I, as possible. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Freeman. I one of the things I love about doing ASJ and this podcast is just having a chance to speak with so many of you whose shoulders ASJ stands on, who've been doing this work um, long before we even thought this up. So we definitely salute the ground that you laid for us <laughs> to be able to continue it, um, you and so many others that we've met along uh, the journey. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast tonight. Um, had a great chat, just talking and thinking about a whole lot. And so I would just leave all our listeners with thinking through what kind of Adventist are you and, and what informs that identity for you? Do you feel like it includes your entire self? And if not, what can we create or build to be able to do that? This is Girl Meets Church. We are wrapping up another episode, um, conversations on religion, justice, culture, and intersectionality. I am Dr. Llewellyn, wrapping it up with Dr. Freeman tonight. Um, you all have a great night, and we will see you next time. Take care. <laughs>